Welcome, everybody. This is Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Radio. I'm your host, TJ Branson, and joined with me via technology is my co-host, Zach Vogel. Ha, hey, hey. <laughs> All right. Before we get into any fantasy hockey talk, we do want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Hoser Hockey Company, who have just recently relaunched and rebranded their site. They're offering Five Hole Fantasy Hockey listeners a 10% off promo code upon checkout. Woo. They do. They they have a really cool, neat line of um, divisional tees, like one for every team. Super soft. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, so, I've actually been on the website. I've seen them. They look pretty they, cool. Yeah, they have one for every team. The one in uh, for Montreal is in French, which is kind of a neat thing. So get on over to their site, hoserhockeycode.com. Check them out. I mean, I'm not doing them any justice by telling you what the shirts look like. You should go check them out. Use the promo code FHFHockey, all one word. Doesn't matter if it's caps, doesn't matter if it's uh, lowercase, whatever you want to call it, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Woo. So now that we're through that, we do want to get into some fantasy hockey topics for next year. Um, maybe some players that had some wild offensive outbreaks this year, maybe some ones who took a step back in an uncharacteristic way as far as um, they go. So I'm sure you can think of some off the top of your head. Players drafted with the expectations of XYZ and then and then they fell short. Without further ado, let's jump right into it. Certainly happened um, to me. I know that much. It it happened to all of us. I think we all drafted somebody with like high expectations, and then they fell way short. Look at the names of like Patrick Kane, Vladimir Tarasenko, Eric Carlson, Wayne Simmons, Camp Talbot, Max Pacioretty. The list goes on. It's not to say they had bad years, but you know Tarasenko had a sixty-six point year. That's good by any other means. But if you're drafting Tarasenko, you're you're thinking about getting a seventy seventy-five point guy. So it is just a bit underwhelming for either their draft position or name value. You don't really know what to get when you um, when you draft people and, and we get let down often. It's part of life. It's going to happen every year. It happens every day. Fact. I get let down every day. When I wake up, I'm let down. I think where I want to begin is with Vladimir Tarasenko. And like I was saying just before, he didn't have a bad year. But by Vladimir Tarasenko's standards, he did have an underwhelming fantasy season. He had his first sub-70-point season in the past four years. He scored less power play points than any other year in recent memory. Let's just take a look at the numbers here. In 17-18, Tarasenko played 80 games, 33 goals, 33 assists, you know, even across the board for an all-day of 66 points. If he weren't Vladimir Tarasenko and he was another player, we might be saying like, oh, wow, he had a good year. That's almost 70 points. There's people we're going to get to down the road that had 66 points and we're like, whoa, this is awesome. This is great. So yada, yada, yada. But the point is he's Vladimir Tarasenko. He should be a 70 point player every single year. Zach, you had him this year. Did you get the feeling that he was like wildly underwhelming? I know you were considering him as a keeper in the next year and then you went in favor of other people. And yeah, I mean, I'm not upset that I had Vladdy. Like I'm a fan of his. I like the blues. He scored a lot of, he scored a lot of points this year. But I would have liked to have seen more power play points. Their power play wasn't like it was in years past. When you have somebody like Vladimir Tarasenko on your team, you're expecting a top five kind of guy. You know what I mean? If you're going to draft somebody top five, you're going to expect top five numbers. And I mean, I can't say that I got it this year, but I also can't say that I wouldn't want him next year. Yeah, he's too valuable to drop by any means. Like nobody was even considering dropping Vladimir Tarasenko, but he he did have a good year. He he played 80 games. You know, the longevity is good. 33 goals, 33 assists, 66 points. Any other player, and we're gonna we're gonna be heralding them for that. 306 shots on goal. That's 20 more shots than the year before that in 16-17 when he only had 286. Uh, his shooting percentage dipped 
to a 10.8, which is still above league average. His average is 13.1. So those 3% could have led to it. Um, Jaden Schwartz was out for most of the year. And I think that is what played a big part into him struggling. I guess you could call it struggling at 26 years old. There's nothing, nothing at all to suggest that Tarasenko is like declining. And also remember Paul Stastny got traded. Yeah. I mean, given that was it like 60 games into the year and Tarasenko was already having like a kind of a subpar year. Yeah. But still they didn't, they didn't have him for that time of year where fantasy hockey playoffs are really kind of getting underway where you're trying to push those last couple of weeks and you're trying to find those teams that are diamonds in the rough that are pushing to make the playoffs. They're playing really hard. And those teams can really, number one, they can win you weeks and they can win you leagues. Yeah, the Blues were definitely in that position at the end of the year where if they would have turned it on strong. And they crumbled underneath it. They crumbled underneath it. Unlike we've seen other teams do in the past where they step up and you win these weeks because you have three players that, like last year when I had Palat and Point and all the guys from Tampa Bay. even, Even though, though they didn't they, make the playoffs, they, did they were not still make trying. The playoffs, but they were pushing really hard at the end of the year, scoring yeah. like four or five goals a game, and I cashed in. Same so, thing could have been said for the Blues this year, but it was the opposite that happened. They won a yeah. losing streak. Nothing really went the Blues' way. I think it was kind of just an off year for Tarasenko. Jaden Schwartz, he missed 20 games. Fabry was out all year. It was just tough trying to like gel. It, it almost seemed like they had a new guy playing with Tarasenko every week. He saw Shen for a little bit as the center. He saw Steen when he came back after that little stint. He saw guys like Vladimir Sabolka, Ivan Barbashev. They saw a couple shifts up there. It just wasn't the same without his best bud, Jaden Schwartz, up there with him. You know, like they have such good chemistry. And without that that second guy, uh, Tarasenko wasn't having, wasn't having the year he should have been. All right, so moving on. Uh, we do have a little bit more to talk about on Tarasenko. Um Tarasenko did have shoulder surgery just at the end of the year. Um, He's going to need like four to six months recovery time. He's going to put his status for training camp in question a little bit. And his ability to train during the offseason is going to be it's going to be a little bit limited. Um, Look what happened with Giroux, you know, two years back. He he had his hip surgery in the offseason and then went on to have 53 points and a career low year. So he didn't have the offseason to train, recover and all that. So I just I don't I don't know what to think about Tarasenko. Going into next year, he's a shooter, and he's going to need a shoulder for that. So I don't know. Do you got anything to uh, to put on top of that? No, I think that pretty well covers it. All right. Who do you got first up? So I think that uh, I think that wraps things up for Terry Sanko. All right. So next, why don't we jump over to the Anaheim Ducks? Now, there was a couple of Ducks. All right. All right. There was a couple of Ducks that I actually thought about putting on this list, but I only picked one. I thought about throwing Jakob Silverberg on there. And then I backed off, and I went with Ryan Kessler. Ryan Kessler had an injury-plague season. He only played 44 games. In years past, he had played, I think, what, 80 games the prior two years. I thought I'd cash in on Ryan Kessler in one of our leagues. So I was like, okay, Ryan Kessler is back. I'm going to get on this because you know he's going to get plopped right on that top line. He got power play time. So in those 44 games... He scored eight goals and six fucking assists. It's not good. No, that's no, that's not good. And I mean, this is a guy who 
So this guy who's usually a 20-plus goal scorer and 30-plus assist guy, you score eight goals and six assists. Was I was four? I was beyond disappointed, to say the least. So you should be points. getting more than, more than that in 44 games. However, the only thing that I can say about Ryan Kessler is if you were in a points league and you had Ryan Kessler, number one, you either dropped him or were really pissed off about having him. However, if you were in a category league, Ryan Kessler is one of those guys who really kind of throws in some other categories that will really help you. So Face-offs, man. Yeah, so say you have other people that are that are on your team to score goals and you're hoping to get some extra ones from him, but it doesn't happen. Maybe it didn't hurt you. He still had 46 PIMs in those 44 games, a penalty every other game, so one penalty minute per game. On top of the fact that he's always going to have that face-off percentage high up there. I mean, if you're if you're getting 15 to 20 face-off wins per week at least, then you're really helpful in a category league. But if you guys have a points league, if you have an ESPN points league, then uh, whew, Ryan Kessler hurts you. He has never been below 50% face-offs in his career. His career low... Looking back, uh, 52.6 in uh, 13-14. So, I mean, even at a 52.6, you're still above 50%. That's what I'm saying. So that's kind of like the silver lining in the storm cloud. So you're still going to have some of those peripherals. Did he have a down year? Absolutely. So if you add those peripherals to an extra, say, 12 goals and an extra 20-some assists, yeah, that makes that makes a world of difference. Hopefully he can get back up to playing 75, 80 games. Things will be a little different because, let's be honest, I mean, the, the Ducks, it seems like they're there every year. They're ready to take that next step, and then they just don't do it. He's 33 right now, and uh, by – by the start of the season, he's going to be 34. And for most of his career, I mean, I mean, just looking back, 82 games, 79 games, 81 games, 77, 17 for some random reason, but then 77, 82, 82, 82, 80, 48. He, he's a healthy guy for the most part. Well, that's and what I'm saying. That's what played him. That's what played the entire Ducks team this year. Looking at the rest of his numbers, he, his time on ice was down by a couple minutes. You know, his shooting percentage dropped by 1%, which is not that not that noticeable hits and blocks are obviously affected just because he played half as much as he did last year. What are you thinking about Ryan Kessler going forward? What do you think next year is going to bring to us? I'm thinking if you draft Ryan Kessler, you're not doing it until round 11, 11, 12. Yeah. 10 plus. Absolutely. Yeah, Um, definitely. Definitely double digits. And like I said, it also really depends on what kind of league you're in. Yeah. If we're talking a points league. Yeah. It's, it's more like a 14, 15, um, in a if, pin, you're talking, in a if you're talking a, a category league with pims and face-offs and, and all that sort of good stuff hits, because you always know he's good for a couple of hits, he's an asshole. He's always out there doing that kind of stuff. He's doing all like the dirty He's Yeah, I know, but he's doing all the dirty stuff. So yeah. if you have him on your team in a category league, if he bounces back, yeah, I mean, he could he could be in the, the ninth or tenth round. But in a points league, no, you're not taking him that high. No, especially not with the year he had this year. He's definitely well within the uh, bounce back candidate discussion. I don't know. You ain't seen bouncing back. This year was an outlier, hopefully, at least. Uh, What song is that? Mystical. Mystical? With a K? Yeah. Here, have I heard of him? Never heard of him. 
Are you fucking serious? You I knew really? his name was spelled with a K. You ain't seen bouncing back, man. <laughs> that is a uh, this is a bounce this is a bounce back episode, right? That's fucking this, perfect. This should have this should have been our intro music. Yeah, it should have been. You ain't seen bouncing back. You keep bumping me against get... the wall. Well, who knows? Maybe Mystical is a really big hockey fan. Could be. Wouldn't that and... be fucking awesome? Yeah, man. All right. So Mystical, he's, he's, if you he's are listening right now, not. Mystical with a K. If you're listening right now, tweet at us and. Uh, I have Venmo, so send me some money, bro. Money. Also, uh, we didn't play that for more than 10 seconds, so. Yeah, well, within copyright <laughs> things, dude. Uh, so, but we will take your lyrics, so keep bumping yeah. me against the wall. You, ain't you, didn't make up, back. you didn't make up the word bounce back. Yeah. Get off your high horse, Jesus. bro. Also, get off the phone with your lawyer, because like Zach said, we didn't play it for more than 10 seconds. Well, it's, I think that's the rule. Well, it's true. Yeah, no, that is the rule. I hope so. All right, who this you got like, next? While you while you start talking about who you got next, I got you going Jaeger. Yeah, after I'm done with this Jaeger, I got to go outside and put it in the recycling real quick. Well, because I can't have Karina see me go through like a bottle of Jaeger um, a week, um, or she'll get pissy. So just drinking in my mom's basement because I'm <laughs> a, a grown a man. adult male. <laughs> All right, so speaking of full-grown adult males that live in their mom's basement, let's talk about Patrick Kane. Uh, Patrick Kane lives on in a fucking mansion on Lake Erie. Hey, Patrick yeah. Kane. Yeah, how about Patrick that? Kane. Let's, let's talk about some stuff. Uh, this year, he played all 82 Apen games like he, does, he, like he does most year. Um, he had 27 goals, which is, uh, you know, it's fine. Uh, 49 assists, 76 points all day. He was a minus fucking 20, but he played for Chicago. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, 285 shots on goal, which is right on par with who Patrick Kane is. Uh, 9.55 shooting percentage, which is not on par with who Patrick Kane is. Uh, power play. He had 22 points, five goals, 17 assists. That's right up there. I mean, you know, back in 15, 16, when Chicago was second in the league in the power play, he had 37 points on the power play. And that's to, to be expected. Artemi Panarin is gone. It's easy enough to see what happened with Patrick Kane this year. You know, I mean, you can fill in the blanks as far as all the bad things that are going for Patrick Kane. He doesn't have the same line mates, this, that, the other thing. You know, the defense is collapsing. They didn't have a lot to play for. Whatever you want to say. But what is good to see, Kane's International Ice Hockey Federation, I think that's what the what the IIHF stands for, but anyway, he's doing really good at the IIHF Worlds. Um, he's setting new records with like 20 points in 10 games. He's showing real chemistry with his teammate, Alex DeBrinkett. So Jeff Blashill, surprisingly, who is the coach for the Red Wings, if you didn't know that, um, he has them playing together for most of the tournament, and they have meshed like really, really well. So I'm thinking Joel Quinville next year, he could take a page out of Blashill's book and put these two on the same line and, you know, just throw like Nick Schmaltz in there or someone to center them. And that could become like a really good offensive threat once again. So at 29, Kane, he's still probably got a lot of gas in the tank. We're looking at all these guys like Ovechkin, who just scored 49 goals. He's what, like 31, 32. 
there's, I mean, once forwards hit a certain age, they, they decline and they decline quick, but I don't think Patrick Kane's there. He's, he's doing really well, but again, he is playing Patrick on the line Kane with is like not declining. He, he had a down year. No. He had a down year, but uh, what I do want to say is like kind of the, hey man, he's playing in the IIHF with like all the world's best players. So he's playing on a line right now with Johnny Gaudreau and Alex DeBrinket. So obviously he's going to be doing really well. But uh, yeah, if Joel Quenville could take what is happening right now at the IIHF uh, between Alex DeBrinket and Patrick Kane and put them on the line together. Number one, you're going to see Alex DeBrinket become more of a valuable player next year in fantasy. And two, Patrick Kane might come back. To, I mean, he's not going to be you know two points per game like he is in the in the men's worlds right now, but he could he could get back to that 85 90 point guy that we're used to. Except for Timu Solani, maybe if Timu Solani comes like he's the fastest man in the world. He was awesome. I miss him. Okay, <sighs> sorry, we guy got a little. Got a little off kilter there, thinking about Timo, but he was the shit. Uh, who do you got next, man? Yeah, this is the elephant in the room right now. This is, uh, you know, the best defenseman in the league, Eric Carlson. Steven, oh, Steven Johns, not Steven Johns, okay. It wasn't Steven Johns. Fucking Steven Johns, dude. Steven Johns wanted like... 17 hits in a game or some shit like that. <laughs> no, that was that was Nikita Zadorov. And oh, that I was, was I, I was playing you that week and dude, it was awesome. He had yeah, it was like 15 or 20 or like 45 hits in one game and it was great. You ended up actually still losing the hits uh the hits category. <clears throat> I would have lost it by a lot more if I didn't have Zadorov for that. Yeah, game. you only lost by like two hits or something. I pulled it out because I'm really good. Okay. So Eric Carlson, the best defenseman in the league. What are you doing scoring nine fucking goals? What is Let it out, what man. is going on? Tell us how you really feel. What what is, what is happening here? How are you going to be drafted like in the as a top 3 player? I mean, and it's not like he was okay, so he had a little bit of an injury filled season. I mean, he only played 71 games. I mean, he was a you know, out for 11 games. So, you know, you got to give him a slump slack. But no, you fucking don't because he scored nine goddamn <laughs> goals. Okay, the only thing that brings it back to life is the fact that he scored 53 assists. So... What the fuck is that? There's a cat in the bathroom. Kill it. All right. Give me one second. Kill it. He he must have heard me yelling about Eric Carlson. <laughs> He's pretty pissed too. I Two would be. Days. Hey. What are you doing? Come here. <laughs> so Jubes is also pretty pissed about this nine goal season. Um, I don't blame on, him. on top of the fact that don't get me wrong. I mean, he had a decent amount of shots for a defenseman. He had 196 shots, but his shooting percentage was down to 4.6. Get out. Yeah. So his shooting <laughs> percentage was down to 4.6. Last year, it was 7.8. You know, in the past, what, let's see. Since 2010, he has had six seasons above 7%. Now he's down to 4.6. 
all of a sudden, he can't score a goal. Don't get me wrong, he's still taking some shots. Wow, what a disappointment. I was expecting 20 goals from this guy on top of this 53 assists. Yeah, he got a lot of hype last year. And last year, he was playing with a bum foot, and he was still producing. Uh, This year, it it just wasn't the case. What I'm hoping is... Jubes, no, come on, no, go. Sorry. (laughs) He's really annoying. Okay, where was I? Uh, Eric Carlson sucks. Okay, so I don't know about you guys, but I was really expecting... 20 plus goals from this guy this year. He's done it two times in his career, but also in the past five seasons, he's had four years where he scored in double digits. Three of those years scoring above 70 points. One of those years being his highest point total yet, which was 82. Uh, That was in the 15, 16 year season, but Jesus Christ, TJ. Yeah, I think the only season where he didn't score, I mean, there are two seasons where he didn't score double-digit goals. The one was his rookie season, and then the second was the lockout-shortened season where he only played 17 games Yeah, and still scored six goals in those 17 games. Yeah, yeah, he still had, this 14, is a guy he still had 14 points in 17 games. Here he had, I mean, he had 62 points in 71 games, but it was all because of those assists. I mean, he wasn't yeah. helping out on goals. He was hardly helping you out on shots. Um, and the also, I mean, he, he's bad. not he's not out there blocking <laughs> a lot of shots. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. So he had 18 power play points. Look at that on top of the fact that last sure year, 27, the year before that, 26, the two years before that, 30 and 31 power play points. Like, this is a guy who lived on the power play. Let's talk about two different things going forward. Um where do you see Eric Carlson on the Senators next year? And where do you see him? I mean, it's going to be hard to talk about, like, where do you see him elsewhere? But is he going to be able to excel and get back to his normal self on a different team? The only the only thing I can compare it to is um, Kevin Shattenkirk. Everybody thought, oh, he's going to the Capitals. He's going to be this badass. He wasn't so great. And then he went to the Rangers. He wasn't so great. So maybe a change of scenery could hurt him. Maybe it could help him. I don't know. What I mean, are your I thoughts? think that I think the change of scenery could definitely help him, but also I feel like Eric Carlson has bought into the gameplay of Guy Boucher, and I don't know if it's that the book is out on the Senators. You know what I mean? Do the do the teams just know how to play Guy Boucher's mm-hmm. system now, where it's all about the middle of the ice and that intermediate play? I I don't know. That that's that's really what I'm wondering because two years ago I was the first one to say, Oh, the the senators are for real. And yeah. everybody else was saying, No, they're not. And I was saying, Yeah, they are. <laughs> and he, yeah, here they are, bottom of the leagues. So they go from being a, a solid playoff team who ended up one goal away from the Stanley Cup final. Exactly. And then boom, you are just bottom of the fucking bucket. Something's got to be. The loss of Mark Mathot is what crippled them. I mean, what let's, what really changed? Let's be honest. Eric Carlson was pissed about that. Eric yeah, Carlson, I mean, they, Eric Carlson was not happy because that was his that was his uh, line mate. They were on that, together on, for yeah. so long. Like he was not happy about that. Let's, do I let's do see I think do I think Eric that Carlson. Eric Carlson is still a top five defenseman? Yes, I do. Yeah. Don't give oh, up yeah. on Eric Carlson. Don't just be like, oh well. 
I'm not going to draft him now. And well, then you're going to get a punch in the face. Let's let's take a step back here. You are still staring down a 62 point defenseman. Okay. So, I mean, given that, yeah, he was drafted probably as the number one, number two defenseman, whether or not you prefer him and Brent, Brent Burns, Burns or. Yeah, him and Brent Burns switch them back and forth. And Brent Burns didn't even have I, a Brent Burns like season either. I think, I think he was like nine points off from his total last year. And yeah, that's exactly where Carlson is from last year. So we could be having the same conversation about Brent Burns, but you just don't. You don't think that the same things about Brent Burns because the San Jose Sharks, they, they did well this year. So you don't, I don't know. At least I don't think like, I mean, Brent Burns, yeah, he had a down year. It took him what, like 20 games to start taking off and everybody at the beginning of the, I mean, me personally, I was, I was targeting Brent Burns like crazy. I was sending trades all the time, just being like, oh man, buy low, buy low, buy low, buy low every day and no bites. I mean, all in all, you still got a 62-point defenseman, minus 25. I mean, God save you if you're playing in a plus-minus league because that sucks. 18 points on the power play. The shooting percentage can only go up. He's got a 6.8 average over his career. Total shot attempts didn't go down too much. Time on ice is still Eric Carlson-esque. The the hits and blocks, uh, the the blocks, man, they almost took they almost took a like a 50% drop or a 100%. I don't know. They, went, they well, almost I mean, went remember, down by half. You know what I mean? Remember last year he was getting yelled at for blocking the blocking the puck so much. Yeah, I mean you're our cause. They, they don't want him blocking the puck. Do not break your fibula blocking a shot, Eric yeah. Carlson. You're Leave more, that to Dion. You're more, yeah, you're more important than one goal. Leave that to Dion Phaneuf or Ryan other, fucking Zingle. Yeah, one of those other idiots up there who doesn't matter. You're the only one that matters on that team. Cody CC, throw your face yeah. in front of a puck. Do it. Do <laughs> and it. You'll, and then you'll look Do like it. Dion for enough. <laughs> Don't you want to look like Dion? You'll get somebody like Alicia Cuthbert. If I look like Dion for then I'll get Alicia Cuthbert. Is that take, how that works? Take a, take a couple pucks to the face, man. Go uh, Happy Gilmore style. Yeah, go Happy Gilmore style and just stand in front of a pitching machine. Or I could go Goon. Or I could go Goon style just get punched a bunch no remember at the end where he just takes like five or six pucks and sticks to the face to stop the goal from going in <laughs> you don't remember that part of the movie during, i drank a lot yeah he like lays down in front of the goal in order to stop the puck and just is getting whacked whacked in the face did you see the goon too no i didn't i really i really need to because i love i love that movie it's fine. It's fine. It's not as good as the first one. It's not great. It's fine. Uh, all right. So, are we? Uh, are we done venting? Do you have any more to say about? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm good. DK six five. I'm right. good. So, Eric Carlson. I'm still putting him in the top five next year. But uh, yeah, shit. What a bad year this year. Top five pick. No, top five defenseman. Okay, top Who's five defenseman. I'll take that. I think guys like. Uh, John Carlson like snuck their way into there where people are going to take them in the top five, but I just don't see it. The consistency of guys like Eric Carlson, top, Victor hey, Hedman, John, John Carlson as a top five defenseman. I don't buy it. Yeah. Dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a top five defenseman next year, but don't get, people don't are going to draft him as such. Don't get me wrong. I want John Carlson as like my, maybe my second best defenseman 
I'd really like yeah. him as my third best defense, my third best defenseman. But if you could, if you could be your third best defenseman, you're in really good shape. Yeah. Well, because what's that? That's like Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, and John Carlson. No, I mean or that's like, that's even that's even like a like a Victor Hedman, John John Klingberg. Kling, yeah, like a John Klingberg, Roman Yossi, John Carlson, All right. Shane Gostas Bear. Yeah. You have those four players, you are in fucking great shape. So my next uh, bitch about character is Cam Talbot. And uh, I have a lot to say about you, Cam Talbot, because you fucked me. You fucked me long and hard and super dry this year. And it wasn't that great. There was was no courtesy spit. It was like you dipped it in sand before you started violating me. And it was not great. I feel a little vindicated because I told you about this one. Which one, Cam Talbot? Yeah. What, you told me before the season started? Yeah, and also you tried to trade me, Cam Talbot, like before the actual season started and after after the draft, and I, fuck no. No thanks. But then also, again, you were, one of the trades you were trying to get was fucking... Leonard? Yeah, you were trying to get Robin Leonard. But I don't think it was Uh, for Cam Talbot. I think that was in the two opposite league. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, discuss. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And love was you, Cam Talbot. Your 44, 22, and 8 record going into 16, 17, 2.39 goals allowed, 919 save percentage, and 73 games played. That's the reason I drafted you. And then I did. And then I couldn't drop you because you're Cam Talbot. And then I had to bite my tongue for 65 games that you played for a 29, 31, and 3 record. 3.05 3.05 goals allowed and a 907. You single-handedly lost me like three or four weeks. Minimum. Minimum. I'm thinking the gamble on Cam Talbot is pretty high going into next year. I'm thinking he's still going to be getting that like 65, 70 games played workhorse uh, schedule that he's been handed for the last couple of years. So getting the starts is not going to be hard to come by, but who knows about the wins? Are we going to get the this year's Talbot where he was a uh, liability and kind of just a fucking – anchor for your team or are we going to get the 40 plus wins from two years ago when Edmonton was a real force to reckon with uh, Connor McDavid was playing everybody was playing well I mean Oscar Clefbaum was an actual defenseman I don't know I it's it's hard to say what Edmonton's going to be next year yeah maybe I mean, it's don't don't get me wrong I mean starting like 76 games a year is great I mean what so last year what it was 73 and this year it was 67 65 I mean, this year, 73 the year before that, and then 56 the year before that. And I think no, it was 67. Be... It was 67 this year. He started 67 games, 31, 31. Yeah, even hockey reference uh, 67. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you're right. He he uh, he played 67 games this year. And what? So so last year he had what a 2.39. This year his goal against average was above three. They were winning some games. They were losing some games. But it seemed like even the games that they were winning, they were winning them like five to four, four to three, fucking seven to six. They were winning these one goal game, these one goal blowouts. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it should it should be a blowout because you have an amazing offense that just scored six goals. But you every have game was a barn burner. Crap shack defense and a goalie that keeps on letting stuff in. I mean, he he definitely had his lowest save percentage of his entire career this year. 
what does that say? Is that all about the defense or is it all about Cam Talbot? And I mean, that that's something you can't really know. But one thing I can guarantee you is they're going to have an awesome offense. Their I offense mean, is going to kill it like they always do. So, I mean, if he comes back to being the, the Cam, the Cam Talbot of old, where even if, even if he's just around league average, even if he just throws up even like a, a nine two would kill it. He doesn't need a nine four one like he did when he first started out when he was playing for the Rangers, and everybody was like, "Oh, he is the next big thing," which always seems to happen to all of us because we're very reactionary folks. That's why I drafted him. It's exactly why I drafted him, and then he let me down. So, I mean, I gotta say, I, I totally agree with you. One thing that's hard to do with goalies, though, I mean, it so matters about the team around them. Yeah. So maybe it is the defense around him or, but I can't even say that because he only, he played six less games and only saw 81 less shots than the year before. That's like 13 and a half shots per game in those six games. So it's it's not like they were letting up an unusual amount of shots per game. Uh, They were middle of the pack in shots allowed per game. So dude, I don't know. I brought it up before. Cam Talbot just had a baby. Carey Price just had a baby. So Maybe these guys aren't getting enough sleep. That's that's yeah. The but only also, thing. I mean, I know I know you have too. I mean, I I know I did as well. I watch a ton of all kind of hockey games and like almost every team, really. But the Oilers, it's not that they were giving up like so many shots on goal and stuff like that. But they were really they were giving up really good scoring chances. That's what this league is all about. You can throw shots on net. You know what I mean? Where you're just giving the goalie a really good look at it, and he's just going to stop 10 out of fucking 10 of them. But when you're giving up solid two-on-ones and stuff like that, it's going to come back to hurt you where one shot gets one goal. And that's what the Oilers were doing this year. A career low in save percentage. Uh, Maybe you can take a chance on him next year. You know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's definitely worth the speculation. A draft on Talbot next year is going to be super high risk, high reward, considering he does well. Who knows? Like yeah, I said, I mean, the, gam- if, the gamble's high. If I take Talbot, I'm not taking him until, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm He's not your taking goal. him before. This uh, year he was drafted as a first goalie. You know, this is going to be my surefire, like, number one goalie. And next year he's you're going to draft a goalie in front of him. Yeah, he's either going to be the second goalie I take or if he is the first goalie I take, it's because everybody else has already taken goalies. And I'm like, oh, shit, I need to start taking a goalie or two. But at least at that rate, the rest of your team is stacked, or at least it should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm all done with Cam Talbot. For, uh, for the goalminder in Edmonton. Fuck you, Cam Talbot. Sorry, Cam. Kill a Cam. Piece of shit. Okay, calm down. I love you. Do you really love Cam Talbot, though? I love vodka more. But yeah, I love him. I don't. What are you going to do? I don't really love this next guy either. And he is Justin Falk from the Carolina Hurricanes. So He's going to be a Maple Leaf next year. And, and I think that that would be good for him. I'll totally take that. Not only would I take that, but I'll draft him like decently high. Good. Because I think he'll do really well on the Maple Leafs. You peeing into a cup again? It's vodka. What do you, what do you mean again? Justin Falk had 31 points this year. 
it's not like that is super low for Justin Falk. I mean, the prior two years, he had 37. The year before that, he had 49. But, I mean, it's not like he's had less than 30 since his first two seasons in the league in 2011 and 2012. But this year, he only scored eight goals. He only got 23 assists. It's it's the goals that really kill you. He did chip in on the power play. He had 19 power play points. Um, but really, what shows you everything you need to know about this year is his shooting percentage down to 3.8. Okay. His average is just above six. Last year, he had a 7.6%. Year before that, he had 8.7%. That's really what kills you. The whole thing is it's Carolina as a whole, to be honest with you. Carolina is having, well, we've gone over this before. They're having a lot of problems. Really what I'm hoping is that Ron Bridmore is going to turn the canes around. I think it's pretty evident that Justin Falk is not a number one defenseman on the Canes anymore. And maybe he gets traded. Maybe, maybe he maybe traded. he does get traded. The only thing that I'm scared about, at least for the Hurricanes, is you're going to get shit in return. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get a fifth round, fourth round pick maybe. What? Really? He is. I mean, even the, people, even the people around here can't stand him. He's he's really low value. They right hate now. they hate him around here. Really? Like everybody is calling for this poor guy's head. Is like, it like an Andrew McDonald type of thing here in Philadelphia or Brandon Manning? It's not even like he has a bit no, because that's all because of his contract. Brandon Manning's a shit hockey player, and that's why we don't like him. Yeah, no. He- but and but Andrew McDonald, everybody hates him in Philly because he has a shit contract and he's not worth his contract. Yeah, Justin Falk doesn't exactly have a shit contract. He has a movable contract. It's just the fact that they're willing to trade him at the wrong fucking time. So okay, yeah. so maybe maybe I lowballed on a on a fourth round pick, but I mean, you're not getting a first round pick for Justin Falk, dude. Justin Falk was like way too. He had like a wildly underwhelming career, or not career. He had a wildly underwhelming season. He only he only had thirty one points this year. Eight goals, twenty three assists, more than half of them coming on the man advantage. He was for the whole year. He was like too valuable to drop and not valuable enough to trade or like get a worthy return for where you drafted him. So I don't know. Just just having Justin Falk on your team seemed like a liability this year. But coming off his second worst shooting percentage of his career, he is due for a bounce back next year. And I think, I mean, he's he's not going to be the best fantasy defenseman on your team, but he's still worth drafting every year, no matter what happens. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's see if he does get traded. I mean, it like you said, if he would go to somewhere like the Maple Leafs, that would honestly boost his trade. Like that would boost his draft stock for fantasy. It, it, it would make it skyrocket. Yeah, I mean, he might have to fight for that number one power play spot the same way he has been in, you know, Carolina. <clears throat> Guys like Morgan Riley and Jake Gardner that he's going to have to beat out. But other than that, man, like one of those guys can give up a spot, or even even if like they can go they can go two D men. So Toronto could be a really good spot for him. I mean, we're still going to have to wait for the rest of the for the rest of the summer to play out to find out where he's going to be, and then we'll an- analyze that from there. But I don't know if he, if he sticks with the Canes, he's still worth it. Like as your third or fourth defenseman right now, if he bounced back, he could wind up being a steal. I, I totally it. agree. 
All right. So sticking with the Canes, another likely trade target for this offseason, uh, Jeff Skinner. He's one year removed from a 37-goal year. This year he only had 24, so he definitely took a step back from his 16-17 career high in goals. Um, his on-ice shooting percentage went from 13.2 last year to 8.7 this year. So um, 8.7 is still 2% less than his career average, so he did have a 3% bump last year in his shooting percentage. So the 37 goals isn't something we can expect every year. Um, but from this year to last year, he only took four fewer shots than last year, and he took one less shot attempt. So he's he's still putting the puck on the net, or at least trying. His total shot attempts this year were 489, and 277 hit hit the net. So Skinner was attempting almost six shots per game, and three and a half hit the back of the net. So his shot rates are great. I just think that luck wasn't on his side this year, man. His his average time on ice, as we know, he was relegated to like the third line for a lot of the year. Um, his time on ice dropped over a minute compared to his 37-goal season. Um, his deployment might change a bit with uh, new head coach Rod Brindamore. The caveat, obviously, there being that he is still with the Canes in 18-19. But outside of that, man, that's it for me on Jeff Skinner. You know, I mean, you, you do have to remember that this is a guy who still scored 24 goals this year. In the past five seasons, there's only one one season in uh, 14-15 where he actually scored less than 20. He scored 18 goals, which is still solid. There's only two seasons in in his entire career, actually, where he's only scored less than 20. He's always going to, it seems like he's always going to be a 20 plus goal scorer. But if he doesn't get that shot percentage up, it's all going to come in in ice time as well. Because it, watching some of the Kames games this year, it almost seemed as if he was just trying to get pucks on net just to make something happen. I mean, when you see that puck on the net, just like in basketball, you, you see the ball go through the through the hoop it makes things easier so yeah. you see it go through you see it go into the net that one time okay i got this yeah you can, you can calm down but he's got to get out of this plus minus thing i don't know i don't know if who all knows this how many seasons does he have actually have that is he is a plus on the plus minus only one his inaugural season his freshman year he was a Yikes. plus a plus three. That's the closest that he has gotten to being plus. He was a plus three. Every other year, he has been minus. This past year, he was minus 27. Yikes. That that kind of thing is not going to help you in, in category leagues. I mean, unless he is out there scoring goals like he did last year where 37 goals the year prior, 28 goals. This year, yeah, don't get me wrong, he had 24 goals, but still. He's not earning his keep with uh, with just that. No, he's really not. Don't reach for the guy. He is a mid-teens kind of pickup. I would almost, I would almost say 13-14 is uh, the kind of round that I would personally draft him in. But, I mean, definitely don't reach. But if you get him in a later round, then he's a steal. Especially if he does bounce back, which I think he – I mean – just Jeff Skinner, the name seems like a top line player because of the year he had last year, the the player he's been throughout his career. And maybe Rod Brindamore sees that. Maybe maybe he does put him on the top line. Who knows? Um, but I think he's gonna be off a lot of people's boards this year. He I don't I, right. I mean that's just my personal opinion. I don't think he, uh a lot of people's boards where you have your 
your top line left wingers, I don't think he's going to be there. You know what I mean? There are so many awesome, great left wingers in the league where as far as left wingers go, he's easily in that, in that second tier easily, maybe even third tier. Exactly. Exactly. So he's, he's definitely an outlier going into next year. I'd like to jump right into Wayne Simmons. I don't know about you, man, but we all know how hurt Simmons was this year. At the end of the year, like this whole heap of injuries started to come out of the woodwork. Um, I'm not going to list all of them. We don't have that kind of time, but he was playing hurt all year. He had a litany of injuries, too many to name. All the more reason why he did have such a piss poor year. Simmons had a down year in every category other than plus minus. So we've already said time and time again, not just this episode, but, you know, over and over again, plus minus is a bullshit category to be playing. And even though that's the only category that he did do better in, that only means that he went from a minus 18 to a minus 16. If that's the best thing that's happening to Wayne Simmons as a fantasy player right now, that's that hurts. And it's not he like he even de- did. It's not like he even did great in plus minus this year. It was still a minus 16. And I mean, yeah, that's not the let, right. Let's, let's all be honest. There, there weren't many Philadelphia Flyers that were in the minus this year. And I don't know he how he probably, did it. He was probably one of the few. He was he was down on everything, man. He went down from 31 goals to 24. He went down from 23 assists to 22. That's not a huge jump, but still down. Uh, he went down from 54 points to 46. And here's the big one, man. He went down in penalty minutes from 122 to 57. And that yeah. really hurts the fantasy owners who drafted him for not only his like offensive prowess, but they knew that Wayne Simmons was this really complete fantasy player that got hits and pims and power play points and stuff like that. So even his power play points went down from 16 to 11. He had he had one more shorthanded goal than last year, but well, he his, still had four. Well, his his power his power play goals went down from 16 to 11. Yeah, he had so 11 power play power goals. Play goals. Power play points. The four previous seasons, he was 20 plus on power play points. In the four previous seasons, this year he only had 17. So we we knew Wayne Simmons was like this power play one guy. Maybe it was the injury that kept him out of it. Maybe it's just I think it was the injury. So he maybe he went it was, down from everything. maybe it was the fact that he took 50 less shots and 105 less shot attempts. So he didn't even try 100 less times. So. His time on ice was down by almost a minute. Um, his hits went down by 33. His blocks were down. His shooting percentage was down. Games played was down. Everything here on paper is spelling bounce back, or at least the bounce back candidate. The only direction to go is up. So Wayne Simmons is not going. He can't go down, especially if he's playing healthy next year. Being here in Philadelphia, I know how often Wayne Simmons' name has been thrown around in trade rumors, whether it's from fans or from the media, whatever. There's a chance he won't be in Philly next year, but what he does have is the entire season to recover and then train and going into his 30 year or his age 30 year, you know, completely healthy. So he could be. And and where uh, is he going to go, TJ? I think he might go to the Kings. I hope not. I do. I hope and not. I think he might go home. An- Andre Kopitar sure would be happy. That's for sure. But we'll see. Hopefully the return is okay. I mean, just thinking as a fan, but um, everything everything on paper spells bounce back for Wayne Simmons. So I'm thinking you're going to be able to steal him just because the value went down so far this year uh, with the year he did have. You're going to be able to get him in a later round 
then he's going to be worth at the end of the year. I don't know where to pick him. Um, you're going to know. I mean, you're going to see the name Wayne Simmons up there in whatever round might feel like exactly the time to bite and do it because I think he is going to have a better year this year. I can feel you on that. So, okay. So how about next we take a trip out to the desert for OEL, Oliver Ekman Larson. I don't know about you out there in the world. I, I know TJ feels similarly the way I do, but I've been waiting. I've been waiting for Oliver Ekman Larson to take this next step. When are you going to do it, my man? I, I know you have it in you. Everybody knows you have it in you. I, I'm just I'm waiting for this to happen. This year, he, he played in all 82 games. He had 42 points, still not too shabby. He had 14 goals, not too shabby. 28 assists, not too shabby. So all of these things are going to be not too shabby. Well, except for that plus minus where he was minus 28. But that's, then again, that's a result most of, of the in, most in. of the people were that played for the Coyotes. There was only one person that really had stellar categories this year, and that was Antti Ranta. However, OEL did have 15 power play points, so that helps. He had 202 shots as a defenseman. If you're a defenseman with plus 200 shots, I can dig it. Now, yeah. his shooting percentage was down a little bit this year. His average is 7.6. Uh, his year this year was a 6.9. In the past couple of seasons, he has, he's been above 8. Last year, he was at 8.3. Uh, he mixed in a 9.2 in there two seasons ago. But really, the reason I have him on this bounce-back list is because I'm waiting to see this next step. When is it going to happen? Um, We've already seen a 55-point year out of this guy, and that's what we're hoping for. Every single year, we want to see that 50-plus point Oliver Ekman Larson. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see 50-plus points. And one thing I will say is they're a young team. They're a young team with a young core and a good goalie. They have all the pieces to make it work. There are a lot of people out there who think that the Arizona Coyotes are going to go to the playoffs next year. I can't say that I'm one of those people. But <laughs> but I think they're going to be better next year. With a young team, you have to give them time. You got Clayton Keller out there. Man, he, he lit the world on fire. He surprised the hell out of me. I'm not going to lie. So... You you put him at the at the head of your at the head of your young team, and you got OEL at the back of your young team, holding down the defense, still firing in shots. I see good things happening for OEL. What do you think, T? I mean, this this is the kind of guy that always gets drafted as like every single year. It's almost as if he is a breakout candidate, and every single year he does have exactly that opportunity. We've seen almost three hundred shots from this guy one year. Um, he put up 55 points in 75 games back in the 2015-16 season, and that was only with a 9.2 shooting percentage. So if this guy can continue to put on shots, because he has been a really good shot producer, and his shot rate has always been really good. Last year, he played 79 games and had 145 shots, and that that's one of his lower-end years in shots produced, but still had... 39 points. I mean, he went up in points this year, but we want to see this guy get back to that 55. I mean, we only saw him once and maybe we just got a taste of the good life and we want him to be that 15, 16 Oliver Ekman Larson. And, and we've seen that he can do it. Uh, every single stat in that 
in that year has been like stellar. 96 PIMS. Jesus Christ, 15 and 12. So 27 power play points. Uh, he put up 154 hits, 67 blocks that year. And this year, I mean, his hits were great. And the blocks were pretty good too. Maybe maybe we are looking at a Alvarek Larson that we can get used to, that he's just like this middling third or fourth uh, defenseman on your team. And you can't I mean, really hope for more than that. I will I will say that, it, I mean, I think we're all rooting for the guy. I know I am. I know you are. I don't know about our listeners, but I think he, he is someone that has a lot of upside. That's what I look for in players. I look for players with upside. He's got and it. And he has it. Yeah, we saw 55 points. He That year he had he had some votes for the Norris. I think he came in ninth place for the Norris. I don't know. That's pretty Still irrelevant good. as far as fantasy goes. But, I mean, he, he had a really good year. Okay. So, there we are on OEL. Yeah, and uh, next up, I got a I got a pretty big one here in Max Pacioretty. This year was the first year in five years that Patches did not hit thirty goals. Um, he, missed, he missed it by a wide Ooh. margin. Given given he only played sixty four games as opposed to last year's eighty one and the year prior's eighty two, he's been a pretty healthy guy over his career. He didn't even break forty points this year. This is another guy that dropped in most categories along with like Wayne Simmons. He nearly doubled his total in hits last year, bumping 16-17's number of 63 to 118. If you're looking for something good to talk about with Max Pacioretty, it's it's the hits and it's only the hits. Again, the same as Simmons, he dropped in goals from 35 to 17, which hurts big time. Assists went from 32 to 20, which hurts. Plus minus went from 15 to negative 16. That's out. Yeah, dude, that's that's a 31 point swing. Uh, his pims were down. His power play goals were down. Power play points went actually up from five to nine. So hurrah to you. His shots went down by 56. His shooting percentage went down from 13.1 to eight, which is still 3% below his career average. His time went ice drop, but not by as much. Um, it was only 10 seconds. So we already, we already said the hits went way up. Uh, the blocks went down by 8 to uh, 27, so it's only down by 8. All of his underlying numbers outside of his PDO and shooting percentage remain to his career average. So looking at everything on paper, chances are he sees a better year next year. Except for his face-offs. You're not going to get much out of a winger with face-offs, but it's not going to get much worse. Um, Still, I mean, he's down on face-offs. He does take them. I mean, it's not like they have other than – I mean, who who are their be- who are their best centers? Up that in Montreal? has that has been Montreal's problem for too long. So exactly. With, so who who are their centers? It, who, Jonathan who's taking, Druin. Who's taken all these faceoffs? Jonathan Druin. Um, Alex Yalchenyuk isn't interested. Are I just gonna had throw. I'm going to throw Charles Houdon out there. Charles Houdon. He's not that bad. Um, Philip Deneau. So oh, Philip Deneau. Yeah, Philip Philip Deneau is there. I guess they're. I mean, they trotted him out as their number one center for a little bit. They they Sweet. traded for Jonathan Druin. They traded for Jonathan Druin in the hopes that he would be the number one center, but he continues to be a 15-point player. I mean, things can't get much worse for Max Pacioretty. All the numbers on paper tell me that Max Pax is going to have a much better year next year. And that's all I got to say. I mean, again, it's it's a, 
it's the team around you, and Montreal's not getting any better. They do have the third overall pick this year. Maybe they pick up a center. Okay, so well, when you, drop, when you drop by more than half on on your goal number, yeah, there's not too many other ways other than to go up. All right, look what happened with Taylor Hall this year, just on paper, because uh, what he was saying is that you know he you finally mean, got over the breakup of Edmonton. You mean and, in the in the regression section? I, we could talk about him when it comes to regression. Uh, we might be. You still you draft. <laughs> You draft the number one center in Nico Heischer, and then boom, Taylor Hall has this breakout center or uh, this breakout year. I don't think that Nico Heischer is the reason for Taylor Hall's breakout year, but if Montreal were to get you know a young center that everybody can get excited around, you know the number three pick, maybe Philip Zadina, um, you know doubling as a winger and a center, he could he could play that number one center spot. I'm sure they're going to try him there because they tried fucking everybody at the number one center spot. Maybe he meshes really well with Max Pax and, you know, everybody bounces back. Uh, fucking Zidina turns into a it turns into a 50-point guy, and who knows? I mean, it, it's all speculation. I can't really say anything in concrete here. All I want to say is that Max Pacioretty has no direction to go but up. This, this was not a great year, without a doubt. It was the first time in five years that he hasn't scored 30 goals. I think he's going to get back to it. This is not a guy that... Just all of a sudden, he he didn't crash and burn in one year. He's coming back. At least I'd like to think so. Well, you'd like to think that the the Canadians are going to do so. I'm just saying. I mean he he goes along with the Canadians. Uh, there there are a lot of Canadians players that are due for a back a bounce back because they were so bad this year. It's not like they're one of the most storied franchises. And they're the bottom of the barrel right now. It's it's almost sad. They're they're the largest hockey market in the fucking world. Well, maybe not. Montreal is the largest hockey market in the NHL. That's for sure. Yeah, Montreal, Toronto probably split that one fifty fifty. Toronto's pretty big. I mean, I listen to Hockey Central at noon, and it's pretty much it's pretty much a fucking Toronto Maple Leafs podcast, and that's about it. The I mean, number one I, center. Going in this year's draft is Joe Valeno. He he's he's projected to be around like 14, 15, 16. Uh, so the Flyers might get him, you know, with that St. Louis Blues pick, but I don't see him jumping from fifteen to you know three just because the Canadians think they need a center right now. Well, I personally don't want another center, but that's me. I'll take him. Trade him. Trade him another, the Canadians. I want another defenseman, but I mean I want Evan Bouchard. That's who I want. We're not going to get him. He's going to go top 10. We'll probably get a guy by the name of Ryan Merkley. Hey, T, I got a hey. question for you. Go ahead. What happens when you sign a $46 million contract? I don't know. You go to fucking Bali and do a bunch of cocaine? You know what? That's that's probably about right because it, it seems like you'd – Usually when that happens, you take a shit the next year. It Who's, happens it happens all it happens all the time. Are you talking about TJ Oshi? I'm talking about TJ Oshi, <laughs> who just signed a forty six million dollar contract. Well, this TJ, if you gave him forty six million dollars, would go to Bali and probably do a bunch of cocaine and other drugs and drink probably until I died. I would probably die in Bali. But I'd be okay with that. Can I come? I mean, I'll I'm more than willing to 
bury you in Bali. Either that or either that, I mean, if you want to get real crazy, we can catch some sharks with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have, I'm going to have plenty of money. So you guys are welcome to come. I'll rent out an Island or something and we'll just get shit faced. Rent buy an Island. We'll we'll make it. We'll make our own Coke. Jesus Christ. Now we're, now we're cooking with fire. (laughs) Cooking with gas. I called Car. I, I called TJ Oshi, Carmen San Diego last week because he fucking disappeared this year. The man scored two goals last night. That was that was one was an empty netter. Yeah, but still okay. He scored an empty net goal and he scored what the first goal of the game. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, he was kind of like tied in in between uh, the hash marks, like straight in the slot, and just swung it a in. Real, a real quick snapshot. I'll yeah. give it to him. He had a real quick snapshot that that put it behind Vasilevsky, and now the the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Capitals are going to Game Seven. TJ Oshi was a big part of that. I don't know if you noticed TJ, but these playoffs, he has been silent. I think he's got what like six goals in the entire playoff. What this year? Yeah, in the playoffs. Six goals, and this what this? Uh, I know he has he has a couple of assists other than this this past game where he had two goals. I'm but just I talking mean, about the postseason. He's got like I don't know, like you were saying, man. He's been pretty much quiet. I mean, in in the postseason, he he has actually helped out a little bit more. Um, I more so attribute the Capitals' success this postseason to their role players. Uh, to their no-name guys who are just coming out of the woodwork, fucking Devontae Smith-Pelly. What are you doing scoring goals, my man? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? What are you fucking doing? He has like three goals this against Vasilevsky. This shit is nuts. Why Lars are Eller. you scoring? Why is Lars Eller scoring? Kempney just coming out scoring goals. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh... Ovechkin is playing well. He's actually distributing the puck for once. He's not taking every shot under the fucking sun, which is a big part of why I think they're actually winning. But I digress. This season for TJ Oshie, uh, I mean, I, I feel like he totally disappeared. He played in 74 games. He had 18 goals, 29 assists. Last year, he had 33 goals. The 23 Well, we all knew that this was not going to last his 23.1% shooting percentage. We both said that he was in the mood for a regression. I'll bring this up when we talk about William Carlson, too. I mean, we saw this coming a mile away. And don't worry, I have William Carlson on my regression list, too. Even though I love the guy. Even though I love the guy. He was down for he was down to 14.2, which is Definitely closer to his uh closer to his average of thirteen point five. Average is eleven point. Oh no, nope, you're right. I know, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I was reading the seven year average. I'm just honestly, I'm just tired of of seeing these guys sign big contracts. Like, I mean, hell, we we talked about Kevin Shattenkirk a couple of minutes ago. Same thing happened with him. Dude signs a huge contract and then comes out and does jack fucking shit. 
Uh, well, he picked like the perfect team, team to sign a contract after a 33-goal season. Like, I would do the same thing. It's not like TJ Oshie Cash played in. like absolute shit. When you go from – so last year, what, his plus-minus was 28. This year, it's two. All right? This was his first below 50-point season in five years. It's just weird how all of a sudden that happens after you sign a huge contract. I mean, yeah, and the only reason he scored like less than 50, that was the lockout year. too. It's like this in every sport. Don't get me wrong. It really is. It's like that in every sport. But I have a feeling, now this is just a feeling, that if the Caps end up losing this game tomorrow, they're going to be forced to make some sort of change. Now, John Carlson most likely is gone, which leaves Dmitry Orlov to actually step up into a slot and, you know, become more prevalent. If they don't start making some changes, then I don't see them winning a cup. It's going to be one of these big names. It's going to be somebody that they can actually get something in return for. It's going to be an Ovechkin. It's going to be a Nicholas Backstrom. It's going to be a TJ Oshie. Yeah, sure. Hey, one more thing. Yeah. So what, it's already midnight? Yeah, so next up, I got Rasmus versus the line in. Um, this guy, when you look at it all on paper, it's not as bad as it felt this year, but Risto was almost like a surefire up-and-coming defenseman with what seemed like a 50-point floor going into the year. His goal stayed the same uh, from his quote-unquote breakout year last year, you know, at a whopping 45 points and six goals. Uh, his shots went down by four. His shooting percentage went up by a tenth of a percent, so for what that's worth. Time on ice stayed constant. His hits went up. His blocks went way down uh, from a he, – he took like a 50-spot hit um, to 111 on the blocks. Outside of our expectations, but nothing really took too much of a hit. Uh, his power play points were almost identical, even with Buffalo going from the best power play in the league to one of the least efficient in the league from last year to this year. Uh, the hope is that with Darlene – I mean, more than likely, he's going to be the guy getting picked. There's like a 99% chance. If if they don't do it, then like I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah, um, if they don't pick him, then I don't know what the fuck to tell you. The, the silver lining here is that, and it, and it's a weird thing to say, is because Darlene's going to come in and Risto is going to play less minutes, but this is a good thing. So typically that's a bad thing, right? Um, we want our fantasy players to be out there for all 60 minutes a night if we had it our way, you know what I mean? But the hope is that with a uh, lesser workload, Risto can make the minutes he does play more efficient and productive. So in reality, Darlene could really be good for Risto. Chances are Risto keeps the number one power play job, you know, for now. But uh, with with one more offensive D-man on the squad, he's not going to be leaned on as heavily. So I'm hoping for good things from Risto next year. I'm not projecting, you know, 55 or 60 point year, but there's always he's always on the doorstep of 50 points. You know what I mean? So he could easily make that a possibility any season. So I'm hoping Buffalo isn't a shit show burning diaper next year, you know? And I mean, I definitely don't think he just gets kicked off of the, the fucking power play just because Rasmus Dahlin is on the team now. No, my projection is that Dahlin is going to be the number two power play for guy for now. And, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road, he takes over for Risto. Yeah, Maybe I mean, Ris- Risto years. still has 20-plus power play points in the past three years. 
It's not like he's really hurting on the power play. But I mean, another thing you got to remember is the guy's only 23 years old. Yeah, he he's well within, you know, he he's in his upswing. So that's that's what I'm saying is every year it seems like he's going to hit that 50 point mark or 55 or 60 because he does have those characteristics in him. He could be a bounce back candidate. He could be a breakout candidate, whatever you want to call him. I think he's going to be good next year. I don't know. I'm taking a chance on him. I'm, I'm going to try and draft him personally. You know who else I want to take a chance on? Someone I like to take a chance on every single year. Who's that? Ryan Nugent motherfucking Hopkins. <laughs> All right. Do go on. You, you like... Okay, so I hate the friggin' Oilers. I hate them. Can't stand them. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the only thing about the Oilers that I like. <laughs> I don't know why. That makes one of us. I can't explain it, but I like the guy. I, I I think he's a solid player. So this guy was on pace for his best career year, and that, that's the only reason I actually have him on the bounce back list, not because he had a down year, not because of anything else. In fact, he had one of his best years to date. He had 24 goals, 24 assists, 48 points all day. He only played 62 point or 62 games. When he went out, I don't know if you recall, but he was actually the leading point getter on the team at that time. I'd like to see him play the full 82 games like he did last year. If he would have played the full 82 games like he did last year, he would have scored 30 plus on both goals and assists. You give Ryan Nugent Hopkins a 60 point season on a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And let's assume that Cam Talbot also has a bounce back season next year while he plays another 100 games out of an 82-game season. Let's just say the Oilers might be back into the mix. I think so, yeah. And All right, so it seems like what you're saying is the only thing keeping uh, R&H from having a bounce back year is his health. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to have what we're going to call next year, a bounce back year. Yeah, I mean, I can't exactly say that he's been healthy his entire career. I mean, he played all 82 last year, but there's only been one other season where he's actually played more than 80 games. It seems he usually averages around actually 60. I don't want that to happen. See, this is what I'm yeah. saying. I'm, I'm rooting for the guy to play all 82 and show what he's worth. I mean, hell, his shooting percentage this year was a 15.9%. Last year it was a nine percent. It's a almost a seven point upswing. So and, and that's his, what uh, he and that's what he average. is. That's what he is capable of. His career average is eleven point five. Okay, so I mean, you give him so a, it's up four and a half percent. Give him an 82, 82 game season, and he's he's a sixty five point guy. Easy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, all right, and 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 that's what I'm saying. You you put him with these other magnificent goal scorers that are on the Oilers, as much as it pains my fucking soul to say that, let's be honest, they have an awesome it. offense, and yeah. R&H is part of it. And that's why uh, if I got to pick up an Oiler, usually he's the one I like to pick up just because he's that guy in the fucking shadows who's quietly like a kind of in like that third tier somehow. A lot of times he'll be on your waiver wire. You'll find Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the waiver wire and pick him up. Pick him up and hold him. Hold yeah, him close. I, I, I snagged him uh, three days before he came back from injury. I enjoyed it. 
I yeah, did. because because I had dropped him, and I knew he was he was, be he was supposed to be out for like six <clears throat> weeks or something. Yeah, I knew he was going to be out for a while, so I dropped him, and I've been, I, I was paying him. I was paying close attention as to when he would be back, and then you picked him up, and I even texted uh, you. I, pick, I even texted I you about how pissed off I was. I remember that day. I think. I think what happened is I was like, I was just molly whopping whoever I was playing that week and I had time to kill. So I was just like, yeah, I'll pick him up, you know, five days before he's supposed to be back. I, I got a 45 point lead. I'm, I'm all right. But cool, uh, cool man. Cool fucking yeah. story, bro. <laughs> cool you love it. Story. Love it. We love you it. Picked dude. Up my guy. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to draft Zach Lorenz. next year and, and trade you to him or trade him to you for mm-hmm. like seven. Speaking players. of my guy. Speaking of uh, my guy that you had, um, Zach Varensky. So I had him in his first year when he was stellar, and then you had him in his second year. You might be able to call it the sophomore slump, maybe call it the shoulder injury he was said he was bugged with all year. Uh, but nonetheless, he he let his fantasy owners down this year, plain and simple. He went from being an easy top demon to like kind of middling and serviceable. He was d- dethroned by Seth Jones as the number one power play guy. He actually logged an average. Seth almost- freaking Jones. Hey, wait. Let's all let's hey wait, let's all just take a minute. Calm down. Get a little zen into your life and realize that Seth fucking Jones beat out Zach Kruensky for that you know, first power play. He earned it, man. He earned it. I mean, he even logged an average of almost two minutes more a game this year as Zach Kruensky did. He had five more goals than he did last year and only nineteen more shots. He had more hits, more blocks. But it still feels like a down year for Varensky, doesn't it? He only had 10 fewer points than the year before, but it all comes from assists. With the shoulder injury keeping him, or the, the shoulder surgery, rather, keeping him out of the gym this year in the offseason, uh, presumably, and the rank for training, maybe we should temper our expectations for Varensky this year, like this upcoming year. He had five more goals, 15 less assists than last year, and 11 fewer points on the power play this year. So that didn't help for his stock. He was good, but not great. Like we expected him to be. I don't know. What do you think? He's, he's not going to have any time this off season. Like he's supposed to be kind of ready. Like it's supposed to be debatable. He's going to be reevaluated come training camp with that kind of timeline. You don't have time to uh, risk re-injuring yourself in the gym or on the rank or anything like that. So he could be shit next year for all we know. That's true, but I mean, you still do have to take into consideration that it is only his second year. Uh, only time will tell what's going to happen next year. I also think that he is in for a bounce back year, and he'll get back to that forty plus kind of season. Do I uh, do I see him jumping up to fifty five points? No, um, at some Not point, yet. Not some yet. Point time in his career, yeah, I could see that happening. Um, yeah. And also take into consideration the fact that, I mean, he plays for the Blue Jackets. So, I mean, he is going to get you other peripherals, like plus minus. He's going to get you He's going to get you blocks. He's going to get you uh, those power play points. He didn't get – he was definitely down on power play points this year. But, I mean, let's That's be honest. Let's be honest. I, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but Seth Jones is Seth fucking Jones. He's good. I think he's good. Yeah, but I don't think he's better than Zach Wierenski. Okay? It's always been pretty even with the two of the guys. I, I think that, I just like we talked about earlier, I think the kid has a lot of upside. Yeah, the sky's the limit for this kid. 
I mean, look what happened with the only thing I can compare it to is uh, Shane Goss's pair. In his first year, he broke out. Second year, he had the slump. Third year, boom. You know, he's in he's all honesty, men. that that is a fantastic comparison. So maybe that'll that happen is a great apples to apples. But and then Shane Goss's pair bounced the fuck back, didn't he? Oh my god, did he ever? But he was not dealing with a shoulder injury all all off season. So that is a little bit of the word of warning here. I don't know. Uh, like you were saying a couple weeks ago, he could be the guy that you you draft, you stash in your IR real quick, and then just cross your fingers as hard as you can by the time he gets back. But do you think – okay, so I'll say this. I think by the end of the year, he'll be a top 12 D-man. I'll take that bet. You think that he won't, or you think that he will? Uh, I think he'll be top 15, but I think he'll be between 12 and 15. So okay, if the over so- is 12, I'm taking the over. So that's so that's odd because I was originally going to say fifteen, but in order to make things, you know, a little more interesting, I said that's twelve. The point of a bet. So that's I so I would so I would have actually said fifteen, but I want to say top twelve. Okay. Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take top fifteen, but not top twelve. So I mean, you have twelve spots. I have three. Well. Okay, or or what if if it's sixteen and below, we're both wrong and nothing happens. Yep. Okay, because I was going to say, I mean, otherwise I have twelve spots and you have like the rest um, umpteen them. fucking million. <laughs> <laughs> so he plays zero games and I win. Yeah. Okay. All right. Who so moving moving on. It's another one of your Frenchy douchebags up north. In the Montreal area of the Canadiens. So everybody that listens to our show, I would imagine by now, if you actually listen to us, you know that TJ likes the Canadians, and I do not. That's safe to say. So for the bounce back here, I put Shea Weber. You know why? Because he fucking sucked this year. Because he was hurt all year. If the man actually plays the games, he should be a 20-plus goal scorer and a 30-plus assist man. This year, he played 26 games. He was hurt all the time. He had six fucking goals, 10 yeah. assists. Who Who's feeling good about P.K. Subban right now? Not Shea Weber. Shea Weber sure wishes he was on Nashville right now. They didn't win it last year. They went far, but they didn't win it this year. But you know what? They're on the fucking doorstep. You know who's not? The Montreal Canadiens. Not even close. So, I mean, I don't even know if it's even worth reading off to you the rest of these stats. I mean, in all honesty, uh, with with a, it almost seems like, uh, like there was another lockout. It, there was a lockout this year, but it was only for Shea Weber. If he would have played all 82 games, he was on pace for 19 goals and 31 31 and like change, so maybe 32 assists. So he was on, he was like ready to go for a 50 plus point year at that rate. Okay, I'll give you that because the man did have a ton of shots in those in those 26 games. He had yeah, 70. He, like had, a, he had 75. Just under three shots a game. Yeah, he had 75 shots in in those games. So yeah, he had 2.8 shots a game. You give me a defenseman with three shots a game. Okay, fair enough, but. More, more's got to come. Montreal looks like a bunch of idiots in this trade. That, that's all I'm saying. He is like he is like 49 years old or something like that. Yeah, I, it's not that he, he's not actually 49 years old, but he's getting up there. 
Like, yeah, he's thirty. He'll be thirty-three by the start of the season. And the type of game that he plays, it, it's not, it's not conducive to today's NHL. Okay, that's the way that I'll actually put it. Shea Weber's game is not conducive to today's NHL. Don't get me wrong. He has a really hard shot, but it just doesn't happen when you don't have a speed team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Jonathan Druin, he's a quick guy. All right? So let's just say Shea Weber plays all 82 games next year. Will he be 20-plus? Yes, I think so. Will he be 30-plus? Yes, I think so. Uh, also, it'll really bode well for the Canadians. They it'll bode him. well. It'll bode well for Max Pacioretty, like you talked about earlier. It'll bode well for Jonathan Druin. It'll bode well for Carey Price. Uh, if Carey Price has Shea Weber in front of him for eighty-two games, blocked re- all their shots, like it's really gonna fucking help. The Canadians need Shea Weber to have a bounce back season next year. That's just a fact. Do I do I think that he will? Yeah, I do. And and for the Canadian sake, I, I hope so because honestly, hockey is better when the Canadians are good. I don't like them. I like them. I know you do. But uh, and, and cool as but the, but the whole thing is, as a hockey fan, I can honestly say that the team that I don't like, hockey is better when they are good. I mean, they're it's, historic. They're, they're <clears> you know. It's just a fact. So that so this is this is almost the same thing you were saying with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Is like the only thing keeping him from having a bounce back year is just he's got to play all the games. So let's hope. I think it was what his ankle or it was his leg of some sort. But uh, yeah, if if that's better, then we got a forty five plus point Shea Weber back, and you know one hundred fifty blocks, one hundred twenty plus hits. That's a really good fantasy guy. So uh huh. Everybody hopes that he's back. Uh, I'm going to blow through my last two real quick. Uh, first, I added this guy on last night um, just because he did have his first shutout of the season. Braden Holpe. Uh, Braden Holpe had the worst season of his career. He had career lows in save percentage and goals allowed. He had a 907 save percentage and a 299 goals allowed. He had no shutouts until last night when he finally did shut out the Lightning in Game Six of the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, Holpe is a perennial. Talk about the guy that's about to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. I know, and he finally got his first shutout. Holpe's a perennial top five goalie, uh, usually a top three, even like even a top one. He he might even be sometimes the the number one goalie picked in your league, but he really, really, really let his owners down this year. He's been playing well in the Stanley Cup Finals so far, so. I'm just hoping he can keep that going into next year and leave the rest of his season behind. I can't think of any reason for his subpar performance this year, but nonetheless, it is worrisome. Uh, so I didn't really get into any like deep dive into why why his numbers are so shitty. I think it was just a flash in the pan. This, this year was kind of a fluke for him. I'm going to move right into Duncan Keith. He's usually a mid to upper tier fantasy defenseman. Um, Keith went almost over a year without a goal. He finally did reach the mark in mid-February this year with over 160 shots that didn't hit the back of the net. Uh, frustration continued to build for fantasy owners drafting Keith. I wasn't one of those guys, but whoever did have him, I'm glad you had him and not me. Uh, he's he's built his career as a half-point-per-game player. Uh, he recorded only 32 points this year, two of which were goals, 
and both those goals came on the main advantage. So that doesn't really speak well for him as he needed that five-on-four advantage to hit the back of the net. But Keith saw a lot of his typical um, top power play time. He shared it with Jordan Osterley, Jan Ruda, uh, Eric Gustafsson. The Hawks struggling to find a power play that was effective really hurt him. So they did a lot of experimentation this year. Duncan Keith's time on ice took a small dip. Uh, His hits, his blocks both went up. But the offense we typically associate with Duncan Keith was not there this year. He could be one of the bounce-back candidates who might not bounce back next year, given that the team around him and the decor like, absolutely <clears throat> depleted last year. They lost Trevor Van Riemsdyk, Nicholas Jalmerson. Um, I know I'm, I'm leaving a few players out. Connor Murphy, I think, went. That that absolutely didn't help. So I think the Blackhawks as a whole are crumbling, and Duncan Keith might see some of that. So this is, this is one of those guys that uh, he's a bounce-back candidate. But he is one of the – he's on, like, the back end of my bounce-back candidates who probably won't bounce back next year. You know what? That leads into a good segue as far as – well, let's go with the third Blackhawk that is on our list. All right, so we went Patrick Kane. We went Duncan Keith. And now we're going to go Jonathan Taze. All right? I think this all comes down to maybe it's just this hole that we've all followed – into of the Blackhawks are this perennial just juggernaut in the last 10 seasons. It's just like, they're always in the playoffs. They always have a chance to win. And very often they do. So I don't know what it is. If I'm just mesmerized by what I've seen in the past or what, before I get started. uh, So I'll preface this by saying Jonathan Taze is in my mind a first ballot guy. He's a first ballot guy. He is a leader of men. He has won the cups. He has done all of the little thing. He is a, he is a playmaker. He gets the assists. He gets the goals. And this season, as far as points go, it's not like points wise. He was really low every season in his entire career. He has scored 20 plus goals. This season was actually his lowest where he scored 20. Um, He Hmm. still scored 32 assists with a total of 52 points. He's always in that area. Now, don't get me wrong. In a points league, maybe he didn't disappoint you. But if you look a little closer at the stats, especially in something like a categories league, uh, which I know many of you guys play, including TJ and myself, for the first time in his career, T, he was negative. He has never been negative in the plus-minus. In eleven faceoffs, in ten prior seasons, he was never negative. He was negative this year. Pims, he was still there. Power play points, he was average. As far as faceoffs, okay, faceoffs, I'll give it to you. He's Johnny fucking Tays. Uh, he he had a, he had almost fifty eight percent. He was fifty seven point nine five. However, his shooting percentage also. The lowest of his entire career. Yeah. I'm looking at a at nine point at a nine point five. Now he was still firing shots on net. He had two hundred and eleven shots, but second most in his career. Second most in his career. But also if you look closer, in the past two years, he has been declining steadily. Just a little bit each year. So what does that say to me next year? I want to put him in this bounce back list. 
but he's going in the season 12. I, I almost feel like he's a guy that has proven everything that he's needed to prove. Is he someone that is just regressing and is going to continue to regress and still be a Hall of Famer by the by the end of everything? Yeah. Or is he a guy that is going to bounce back and the Blackhawks are going to be the team that we all have seen in years past where we're just in awe and pissed off and we like them, we love them. Like, it's hard to hate the Blackhawks, honestly, because, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, it's pretty easy for me. I, I mean, yeah, I know, but they have a bunch of likable guys on the team. It's not like they have a bunch of guys that are easy to hate. All right, yeah, they have a bunch of likable guys that, as far as US, the U.S. is concerned, it, it's easy to like these guys. Okay, so, I mean, I think that pretty much rounds us out. And um, take these thoughts into account when you think about your list next year. Because I don't know about you guys, but I write myself a little list. Yeah, I'm I got, and, and I And I do it in tiers. I do tier one, I do tier two, I do tier three, and I do tier four. And I usually split those up into three rounds each, three or four rounds, roughly, depending on how depending on how your league is. So, I yeah. mean, I would suggest you do the same and think about these bounce back guys. Tell us who you think your bounce back guys are. Tell us yeah. who you think our regression guys are, because you know what we're doing next week? We're diving into regression. Yeah, some guys that did way too well this year and uh, are due for a um... – do for a step back. So this week we're doing the step forward. Next week we're doing the step back. So yeah, like Zach was saying, if you guys have anybody that um, that might have made your list for a bounce back that didn't hit our list, feel free to let us know. And uh, so maybe we'll bring it up next week and you know just kind of have a quick take on that type of thing. Um, so all right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. It's been real. It's been fun. Let's do it again sometime. Be sure to get over to iTunes, leave us a review. And if you guys got any fantasy questions or want to hit us up for anything, hit us up on um, FHF Hockey on Twitter. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. If you have any extra bounce back candidates, let us know. Outside all of that, we do want to bring up that uh, we are recruiting for next year's Fantasy League. Um, we're doing a five-hole listener league. So if you guys want to play some fantasy hockey, you let us know. We have a couple leagues filled up already, and um, we'd love to have some more. I play in way too many leagues already, and... I promise I'm not going to tell my wife about this extra league. So I'll play in okay. probably six or seven. I I definitely love some fresh meat. <laughs> fresh so, fish. Fresh fish. If you do want to play, be sure to let us know. Get on over to Twitter, Instagram, both at FHF Hockey. Um, we're going to save you a spot. So just shoot me a DM, shoot me a tweet, whatever you guys want to do. Just make sure we got a spot saved for you guys. Uh, we love you. Love you.